Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. And this is a special episode, a 10-minute overview of apologetics with a special emphasis on the creation and especially flood traditions. There have been nearly 100 flood traditions discovered in cultures throughout the world. Testimony to a first flood which remained in the common memory, tradition, and then mythology of the descendants of Noah. Undoubtedly, there are many more creation traditions that also testify to the actual creation in addition to the two that I'm going to mention in this episode, known as the Enuma Elish and the Gilgamesh Epic. There are other creation traditions that likewise testify to the actual creation and the flood, the actual flood account in the book of Genesis. But their details uh, contain various corruptions of tradition and mythology as they were not uh, written according to the Holy Spirit, as were the books of Scripture. Perhaps the best-known extra-biblical creation and flood accounts are Mesopotamia's Enuma Elish, I mentioned a moment ago, and the Gilgamesh Epic. In the Enuma Elish, the gods Apsu, A-P-S-U, and Timat, T-I-A-M-A-T, created other gods, Ultimately, man was created by Marduk, M-A-R-D-U-K, a later god. In the Gilgamesh epic, or epic, the protagonist is Gilgamesh, and he goes to the immortal, uh, you, let's see if I can pronounce this, Unapetishim. Uh, I got it right here online. I was listening to it. Unapishtim. I got it now. If I can just hear the reading on Google. Unapishtim. In the Gilgamesh epic, the protagonist Gilgamesh goes to the immortal Unapishtim to find out how he might gain immortality. Unapishtim related his account of the flood to Gilgamesh, relating the anger of the gods at the noise men, at the noise that men were making. And the gods, their subsequent destroyed to uh, their desire rather to destroy mankind because mankind was so loud. <laughs> it's crazy, huh? Unapishtim, who is portrayed as an honorable man, he was warned and allowed to build an ark, which measured 120 cubits by 120 cubits by 120 cubits in which he and his wife and representatives of the animal kingdom would be saved. Other similarities to the Genesis account are ending up on a mountain, sending out birds, and sacrificing. There's another significant flood account that I will mention that was actually a blizzard account. The Zoroastrians, whose Persian founder Zarathustra was influenced by Jews in Babylonian captivity. 
believed that their god Arua Mazda, A-H-U-R-A, Mazda, M-A-Z-D-A, warned Yima, Y-I-M-A, their Noah, that the world was overpopulated and that man would be destroyed by blizzard. Yima was able to build a vara, V-A-R-A, an enclosure, which held 2,000 people and two each of every animal, bird, and plant, in which safely, and in which, in which safety from the blizzard was found. And that's similar to the idea of the ark, at least in purpose. And again, there are many accounts like this, traditions, And what I want to draw to your attention in this episode is that there are many counterfeit stories. They're counterfeit in that they are inferior and they are inferior in quality and less genuine in appearance. But that these counterfeits, these other stories, these flood and creation traditions do not... um, negate the true account, the true story, the actual factual event that happened, the global Noahic flood, as sometimes Christians call it, as I've called it, I think, in some of my 10 minutes of apologetics episodes. Instead, these counterfeits, they imply the existence of a a valued, true original. And with that in mind, I want to draw some attention to uh, some words, terminology that's used in the flood account of the Bible, and just give you some brief definitions. The word flood means exactly what it says in the sense of flowing, a deluge. Genesis 7.11 mentions the words broken up, that the... um, that the ground was broken up, the rocks clave open, and that demonstrates a violent tearing of the geologic features present in the antediluvian period, meaning to cleave. Generally, it means to rend, to break, to rip, to open. And uh, Genesis 6, or excuse me, Genesis, I should have had my Bible open. Genesis 7, 11, I'm going to read. Genesis 7, 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the 600th, excuse me, let me try to read this again. (laughs) In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. The words were opened demonstrates a violent breaking or opening up of the vapor canopy, which was the antediluvian firmament. You read in the Bible about the firmament around the earth, around in the skies. And that word, the words were open, that this was broken open means to loosen, uh, to carve. Of course, the word rain and increased, that just demonstrates the strength of the rain, a shower, uh, increased Genesis seven seventeen the, is the idea of abundance and multiplying. The waters prevailed exceedingly Genesis seven nineteen that demonstrates the domination of the land by the flood waters, and it is a combination of words meaning to be strong. 
they were covered, the high mountains. And that just demonstrates, again, the, the greatness of this worldwide flood, that the hills were completely under the water. Uh, the idea of were covered means properly to plump, that is, fill up hollows, to overwhelm, Genesis 7, 19 and 20. Upward, Genesis 7, 20, demonstrates measurement from the top, showing that the waters of the flood were 15 cubits upward from the top of the mountains. And then the words all, every, all, and every are used multiple times in Genesis 7, 21 to 23, confirming the threat that the flood posed to the world. And, you know, you look at the strata in the earth today, and I've been reading a book with my daughter, uh, Flooded, I think maybe is the title, or written, uh, published by Apologetics Press. I, this is my plug for them. I highly encourage you to to get that book. It's a hardback book, a lot of beautiful, colored, colorful pages, and a lot of good historical, geological, and scientific information. And, and, and again, it describes how the strata was laid uh, when there were multiple volcanoes that would have occurred and probably did occur during the time of the flood that changed the face of the earth forever because all things were destroyed, Genesis seven twenty three, And that demonstrates the violence of the flood. But then, of course, God stopped the, the rainwaters, Genesis 8, 2. God could stop them, and he did. And eventually the water receded and... You know, the earth became inhabitable again, showing God's great power and God's great grace and mercy. And Second Peter 2, 5, one of my favorite passages says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he preached to his generation. Unfortunately, very, 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 very few of them, it seems, listened. And by that, we know from First Peter 3, verse 20, eight souls were saved through or by water. I might end with that thought. Did the water save them or did God save them? Well, God saved them through the means of the water in the ark. So all those things were involved and God was the grand architect, the gracious sovereign God who made the plan that Noah by faith had to obey. He couldn't shake his fist in the face of God and then expect to uh, live or float or not be affected by the waters as they would flood the entire earth. Well, I hope some of these thoughts have, have, have stirred your mind to study further, even into the Enuma Elish and the Gilgamesh epic, and note some of the uh, interesting ideas there. That's mythology. But again, it points to the fact that there is a true, genuine, and authentic account of the creation and the flood. Thanks for listening to Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This has been a 10 minute episode, 10 minute overview of apologetics. God bless. And I'll catch you next time.